when I realized that, like, what is that one thing such by doing it, everything else becomes easy or unnecessary, and you realize that kind of mindset, goal setting just became super duper easy. Accomplishing goals became super duper easy, because if you think of that question, what is the one thing such by doing it makes everything else easy or unnecessary, it keeps you focused on what is the next best step. Where I see most people make mistakes is they just do the next step. What's well, the next step that you put on your to-do list or your goal list you want to accomplish? But is it truly the most efficient and effective next step? What is the next best step? So the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I've got a great guest today, the uh, friend of mine that I've known for several years. We've got to travel kind of all over the world together in our GoBundance Mastermind together. That's where I first met him. Really, really impressive individual. When I first met Wally a few years ago, kind of he had like these lists on his goals, like to get more doors. And what we quickly saw was he, you know, he crushed his goals so much and so quickly. That's some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. He's also a powerhouse lender. He's going to give us uh, some news about what's been going on. Wally Ilibieri uh, from Empower Lending. Did I get Empower Lending? Is that right? Or did I get it wrong? I nailed it. Wally, how's it going? Doing good, bud. I appreciate you having time time to get me on your show. Congratulations on your success. And, and uh, I just want all your listeners to hear from me that um, every time I played golf with Aaron, he's beaten me. <laughs> so first time in Japan, we, were, we had rental clubs. The first yep. time playing in Japan together, he beat me. And then um, where were we last time? Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was up in Colorado. So last Colorado. time was up yeah. in Steamboat. And uh, if you ever play golf with Aaron, he's really sneaky good. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll need to tee it up sometimes so I get my revenge. Yes, as soon as as soon as you can play again, I can't wait to play the. And the reason Wally and I joke about that is Wally is actually a much better golfer than me. But the I've been able to rise to the occasion on day. I mean, when we played in Japan, it was a little un, it was like hurricane conditions out yeah. there, and so. I think the conditions were so bad, nobody was paying attention to the fact that I kept just getting some decent yeah, scores. But it was still much better than those um, 80 mile hikes <laughs> that they were doing in the jungle. So, yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah, we skipped an 80 mile hike to go play golf uh, in Japan. <laughs> and, and Japan really knows how to golf. So, that's, that's freaking fun. So, the, how long have you been a lender? How long have you been doing mortgage loans? I'm 44 now, so I started when I was 19 years old. So going on 25 years, quarter, quarter of a century. Quarter of a century. The so you've been doing so you've been doing loans for a long time. And yeah. I know that you've and you've done so many things as you kind of build out those systems. And I think one of the coolest parts about lending for you was it became like that first step, that avenue to building so much more. Right, like doing loans at the beginning is like vertical income. It's like you're going to work and you're getting a paycheck. I think about that as like when I was first flipping houses. Like I was making lots of money as long as I was going to work and flipping houses. But then when I stopped flipping houses, I didn't have any money anymore. And I've seen you take that income and like really systematize it and use it for other things. Everyone's asking right now, like, what's going to be happening with lending over the next while? 
right? Like what are some great techniques and tactics that people are still using to get deals done? Are you only seeing first time home buyers apply for stuff right now? Like it's just, just in general, talk for a little bit about what things you've seen in the last three to six months that are changes and where do you think it's going? Yeah, I would say, you know, a blessing for being so long in mortgage, I've seen many cycles. So the dot-com burst, when it happened in 2001, 2002, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And I was just a, a broke single guy trying to, like, sling loans, door-knocking apartment complexes and stuff from there. You know, when the recession hit, I was a father of a, a two-year-old and, and a five-year-old. And so kids were young. And I remember just uh, feeling um, feeling so weak in that situation. And I had to finally have the mindset during the recession that I had to work twice as hard to make half the money. I had to learn how to work twice as hard to make half the money. And once I mastered that, I was able to rebuild the business. And before the recession, my income was probably close to about 500000 After the recession, the income went down to like 200000 mm-hmm. And And I've been able to build it back, and which we'll go through income here in a minute and stuff from there. But, you know, the biggest difference in this shift is interest rates were so low for so long. So I, I started putting together a plan in 2013, which is called our, my succession plan. And my succession plan has succeeded. So every year I gave up pieces of the business to be able to give to give me back my time. Well, every year I focus on what is the weakest part of my mortgage business that can make the strongest part of my mortgage business that following year. So when I looked in 2019, I was like 95% realtor focused. I'd go to a realtor, get a mortgage, get a commission, go back to the realtor, get a mortgage, get a commission, and it would just be over and over and over. So I was controlled by getting referrals from realtors. Now, what I started really focusing on is my database because I realized only 5% of my business was coming from my database and 95% of my business come from my realtors. If they left me, I'd be screwed, right? There was, and then also you realize when you're in an all commission environment that your database it can become your data bank. So as I focused on my database, the business grew and now 33% of our business in 2020 was from our past clients. We go from 5% to 33%. So I created another vertical for the business for the sake of referrals from it. Now, what I realized from there also is that I started getting clients ask me, hey, do you know a good financial advisor? Do you know a good CPA? Do you know a good family will attorney? Do you know a good insurance person? And I started receiving these referrals. So in 2000, 2020, I referred out over $500,000 in commissions. So as you as a loan officer, if you can be that valuable and refer out half a million dollars in commissions, you're going to receive back more referrals. And as you receive back more referrals, what do you do with that? You, you pass the referrals back out to a realtor, and they then they give you more referrals. So our focus in 2021 and 2022 was building the mortgage business the six-lane highway. Most loan officers only have one lane highway that is a realtor focus. Yep. Second lane highway became real became database focused. And the third lane highway became financial advisor focused. So I'd receive referrals from clients that want to be referred to a financial advisor. I'd refer them to a financial advisor. I'd receive referrals back from the financial advisor. I would go take those people buying houses, go refer them out to new realtors. They start sending me back more mortgage deals and it cycled and it cycled and cycled. The next lane highway became CPA referrals. The, the second lane highway became also um, insurance. And the last came, became builders. So when you think of business and you think of business with scalability 
and you think of mortgage business that is has worth, you've got to think of deal flow. So we're having one of our best year ever right now in mortgage, and most mortgage people are struggling. Right. One of our best year ever because I've got six referral streams coming at me at a daily basis. Whereas most lenders only have a one lane highway referral stream coming at them. So I would encourage loan officers out there to think differently. And what I mean think differently is I, I, I'd rather eat six times a day than one time a day. And then also then your business is worth. And when I started focusing on creating that succession plan, now I've sold, sold my mortgage business to my team. And now I'm receiving a residual income of two, two and a half million just from the mortgage business. They manage it, they run it, everything A to Z because there's two deal flow coming in over and over and over from that mortgage business. They are receiving that deal flow and I'm getting a piece of the cut of the pie and I'm not touching a loan. I'm yeah. not originating loans or anything at all. You know, there's, and for, for listeners out there, for, for just new real estate agents, for seasoned real estate agents, it's that same concept. A few things that, that Wally said there that I thought was so great was like one was the making sure that you have the database because so much of his business was just from new leads coming in. And I've talked to a couple of people specifically lately that their business was all around buying Zillow leads or buying a realtor.com leads or, you know, or Google ads. So people had this one source of leads and the leads were so good. They were able to spend 5,000 bucks on Zillow leads and then they would do like 10 transactions and it was really, really great. And so why would they do anything else? And they never built up a database and they never, you know, they never did any of the other things, but now leads are changing. Now for the amount of money they're spending on Zillow leads, they're only getting a couple leads back. And so they're looking back and they're saying they're going to look through their emails and essentially anybody they had talked to over the last however many years and say, okay, now I need to actually put them in a database and start doing database tracking. So as Wally talks about having those six highways, those six ways, I think agents, you can do that too, right? You've got your lead source. Plus, you've got your database and how you start working with that database. And what I really liked about what Wally said there, too, was um, referrals and referring out to different agencies because people are going to ask their agent stuff. They're going to say, they're going to ask you, you guys have had it happen. You know, the do you know a life insurance person? Do you know a financial advisor? Do you know someone to clean my house? Do you know like a pool cleaner? All that stuff. And agents, if you haven't started to build up that network of stuff you can refer people to. And the other thing is maybe you know these people that people aren't even going to ask. So you could end up getting like this 10 list person of like, here's a good life insurance person. Here's a good financial advisor. Here's a good this and that. And maybe even have it as part of your closing of like, here's my list of people that you guys should go talk to um, at time of closing. And at time of closing, you're sending it out because now you're sending out all these referrals. And even if it's a pool guy and the pool guy knows he's getting a couple deals from this real estate agent and then somebody asks a pool guy, hey, who should I use to do my real estate? When you're, you've always said what you give out you will receive back. And the more you give away, the more referrals you give away, the more that you also uh, give back. So yeah. I really like that. Thank you. I think also you can make it scalable. So one thing we did in 2022 was we built a client concierge team. So it's a dialer that I've built and it's very inexpensive, but he makes a call on the seven day call, seven days after closing, 30 days after closing, six months after closing and sets up the annual mortgage review with the client. So think of hiring somebody for 15, 20 bucks an hour. They call your past clients and they say, hey, on the behalf of Aaron, your realtor or your loan officer, I'm calling to let you know you're probably at this time looking for a new pool guy or a new lawn guy or a new AC vent guy or a service guy. Aaron wanted me to reach out to you and give you some referrals. I went on 
bestreview.com, and these are the best people in your specific area. And also, by the way, would you like me to help you set up your auto pay for your mortgage? Adds value again, the 30-day call. Sets up the six, then the six-month call. Then we bring in, hey, all right, so Wally's put you in a lot of debt. With that being said, he, he's helped you play great defense of managing that debt. Who do you have in your financial world that's helping you great, great offense of growing your wealth? Like a financial advisor. Well, I've got somebody. Great. Is your financial advisor one out of 10? Is it 10 to 12? What is, oh, he's like a four. Okay. Well, that's not going to cut it. Let me refer you to financial advisor. Or on the other side of things, what's phenomenal about that is, let's just say you call the client, the client says, oh, my financial, my financial advisor one out of 10 is like a 15. I'd be like, awesome. I help seven to 800 families a year. Can you refer me to your financial advisor? And I'll start referring business on your behalf to your financial advisor of all the clients I have. So now I'm going to give a referral to a financial advisor, or I'm going to get a referral to a financial advisor. It's a win-win across the board. Do the same thing for the CPA conversation. Do the same thing for the, uh, the family will conversation. Do the same thing for the insurance conversation. You can turn your one little deal, one little commission, one little closing into a streamline of referrals. This is how you look at an operator. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity Sync. I've looked at Boomtown like real geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used LineDesk. I've used Conversion. And I think follow-up boss gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. 
So the so now for people out there that are like just just some general mortgage rate stuff is like so rates have been going up. They they were climbing. It kind of and it feels like yes. You know, well, temporarily, they, they peaked a couple months ago or maybe a month ago. Now they've come down a little bit. What's ne- What do you think is next over this next year? Is there a lot of talk about that and the different thing, things that you're going to? People are trying to figure out, you know, can they time the market or not? You know, in general, the biggest push is we're seeing is like first-time home buyers are buying right now and other people are buying with the idea that, hey, I'll refi later. But there was a big uptick just last week because rates fell slightly and so buyer demand came back. Any predictions? What you're going to see? We're going to see your next few months. It depends on how you structure it, right? I mean, you and I both know in golf that a bet is one on the first tee box, that it's not one on the 18th green. It's how you set up the bet. It's how you set up the game. It's how you set up the offer. And what what I've learned is it's how you set up your offer when you make an offer in a house. Like, so what I'm advising the clients right now is is a loan program that Fannie Mae Freddie Mac came out maybe like six, twelve months ago. And it's called a three, two, one buy down. Okay. So it's the same rates are 7% for simple math. Yeah. So 7%, you pay two points up front. Your first year, first 12 months worth of payments, it's only amortized at a 5% rate. The second year, 12 months worth of payments, it's amortized at a 6% rate. The third year and beyond of the monthly mortgage payments amortized at a 7% interest rate. Sellers right now, not every seller, but most sellers are desperate. So when we make an offer to a client with a client, we're having the seller pay those two points to do that program, the three, two, one buy down. And then Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac released that here in the Q4 of this year, Q4 of this year, they're expecting interest rates to be four, four and a half. So if you turn around and buy the house right now and you've got that three, two, one buy down at 5% for the first 12 months, then you refinance at the end of the year for four and a half, five percent, whatever rates are. It's a lot better than starting off at six percent, because so many homeowners right now are being turned off, feeling turned off, because their monthly payments are so much higher because they're amortizing at a seven or eight percent rate. So it makes the most sense to see, okay, what kind of creative, secure loan program can I get? I get on so I can refinance in the future. And we advise our clients date the interest rate, marry the house. Yeah. Right now, sellers are selling at a discount. Right now, sellers are desperate. Take advantage of it. Buy now. Because when rates drop again in Q4 of 2023, what do you think is going to happen? A block of buyers are going to start coming. Then it becomes another bidding war. And th- then you got 2020, 2021 all over. Yeah. Cool. I like that. So the three, two, one buy down, that's, that's some kind of some great advice. What we see, I've got one more advice question, but then I really want to dig into your story and your goals. But so the, so me personally, right. We've got hundreds of houses, the, and at different times we have different loan packages on them. And there are several that I bought, I would say like six, seven months ago that now have five or six months left on my, on my cap, on my balloons, you know, and, and we're like, man, so all of the, I've never gotten any, I have a conventional loan on my personal house. Other than that, I've always gotten these loans from like investment type company lenders that are traditionally a point, point and a half more than if I was going to get a personal mortgage because it's to the entity, it's non-recourse, it's all this stuff. Well, now those rates are incredibly high. And I was having lunch with the other with the guy the other day. And he said, why don't you just, I've got like six that I really want to refi in the next six months. He's like, why don't you just do conventional loans on those? Like put them back in your own name get a conventional loan on them through a traditional bank, like a three, two, one buy down, things like that. 
Is that possible? Like, can investors do that? They talked about, I know we used to say like, oh, you could get 10 loans in your personal name. Is that a thing? What's, what's, the, what's the practical real version of that? So three, two, one buy down specifically for a primary residence. Okay. So you can't do that for primary residence number for, if you're an investment property. And yes, you can have, it's kind of a myth now. You know, it used to be like in the mid 2000s that Fannie Mae would limit you for um, no more than 10 properties in your personal name, but that's kind of, that, that's kind of gone by the wayside now. They've created exceptions and it's pretty easy to do. <sighs> you know, managing your debt is obviously one of the most important things. And that's just a great defense. I think you got to just weigh the option of, is the interest rate more important than recourse? Or is the non-recourse more important to you than interest? Yeah. To me, in a market like we're in, it depends on how secure you feel in your cash flow that you have coming in. For me, I, it'd be more important for me for to have non-recourse on deals than paying a little bit of a higher interest rate because you can always refinance those afterwards. Yeah. Cool. So that's some, that's some good advice. That's some good advice from somebody that's done a gazillion loans. So. Jump way back now to the, like, who is Wally, right? Like, how did Wally get here? Because, again, I remember several years ago, you were, like, going to get 10 rent. Like, it was you wanted 10 doors. And then you went from, like, 10 doors to 100 doors. Now, I'm getting your numbers off a little bit. But, like, what's the journey of how we got to here? Yeah, so I had to beg my way to go abundance, first of all. I remember Rock Thomas and, and David Osborne and, and Tim Rhodes sat down with me and were like, you know, we we think you've got potential, but you're cocky as hell, you're arrogant, and you're it's very difficult for you to get to your heart. Um, and you've got no residual income. you got a big W-2. I think make, back then I was making like 500000 And I remember just selling them on it. It's like, listen, you let me in. I give you my word. Within 12 months, if I'm not at this certain level, I will fire myself. Just get me in and I'll make, I'll make, and this is like 2015, right? Uh, Before that, 2013. So I joined GoBundance in 2013. Wow. uh, It was like January, 2013. Yeah. So members at that point, you what? There's like 20 members at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it was honestly, it was super cool. Cause like you knew everyone, like, and there was some, some badass people in the rooms, but, um, the champions is also great now, but so I had zero run apart piece when I joined 2013. And that we joined, we joined in January. It was like January 11th. So I started studying single family investing. I bought my first single family in March of 2013. Well, I am one of these people as once I study something and once I can understand how it's built and rebuild it, I'm off to the races. So after I understood how investment properties work, how cash flows work, how, how properties work, how to grow wealth in real estate, I bought nine single family that first year. By the end of 2013, bought nine single family. 2014, bought 11 single family. By like 2016, I had 45 single family. I didn't have the systems I have today. So, you know, look back, I probably shouldn't have sold them, but I was pulling my hair out because you got this property manager here, you got this property manager here. There wasn't much scalability. They're all, all over Texas. So then I took those 45 single family and I had 1031 exchange them to start buying apartment complexes. Bought my first 33 unit apartment complex in Amarillo, Texas in 2017. And so by the end of that year, I think I had like 54 doors total. Then it, the following year it goes to 100, 137 doors. Uh, end of 22, 
uh, I'm sorry, end of 21, I was at 253 doors, 253 doors, end of 22. Sorry, end of 21, I apologize. End of 22, the year we just ended, is 487. So now we got 11 apartment complexes, uh, 487 doors. Net cash flows ranges between 45,000 a month to 50,000 a month, somewhere in that range. Um, the cash flow is great. The net worth is great. But the sexiest thing, the best thing I've ever seen on God's green earth about buying investment properties, especially multifamily, is the CapEx cost segregation that I'm able to do. So my average W-2 per year can be somewhere in the range of $2 million to $3 million a year. Well, that means I'm paying the IRS a million in taxes or I'm paying the IRS a million five in taxes, whatever the number comes out to be. But because of the cost segregation, depreciation, last year, two years ago, my tax rate went down from like 40% down to 19%. And this year it looks like there's a chance, which I can't wait to get to this point. There's a chance it could be zero because of the cost segregation. Like for a W-2 person that's been W-2 for a quarter of a century, that's like, that's like heaven. That So uh, I explain that journey, okay? Yeah. I got a refund last year because of cost segregation. <laughs> Bragger. And it was crazy. It was so crazy. And it was from apartments. It was from a, a giant class at one giant class, a new construction apartment complex. And the, and it just shows so much of the power of, of real estate and what's out there. So you buy this big old complex and you get to finance it, but the, it doesn't matter that it's even cash flowing every month. Like it's making money every month on cash flow, and they go through and they go, okay, well you get a $3 million deduction because of this, you know, on this. So what cost segregation is, Listen, it's like just really, really quickly is they is is it's like when you buy an asset. Everybody's heard like if you buy like a truck that you could write the whole thing off the first year if you want, you know, if it's business related or you can do it down. Well, with apartments and things like that, what an accelerated appreciation lets you do is expense a big chunk of that purchase right at the beginning. You know, accountants and specialists have to go in and analyze the property and they say, hey, this is the stuff that's only going to last three years. This stuff's only going to last five years. So um, you take that deduction. Now, if you sell the apartment later, they add it back to the top. But if you're going to own that thing forever, it's ne- it's never something you have to pay back. It's really fascinating stuff. So we're not giving tax advice here, but like the benefits of apartment complexes, like for you guys and what happened with, with Wally and we've seen really cool benefits. Have you sold any of your complexes? I bought, I would say it's a class D minus apartment complex back in 2017. It was my intro into apartments and it was, the cash flow was amazing. I got it for a screaming deal. I got it up to where it was performing really well. But then the cash flow stopped being amazing. You know, that property in particular, it felt like it that had like these seasons of life. I bought it. I was able to put a lot of money into it, got it like fully occupied. But then, you know, tenants started getting evicted again. And the rent was only five or 600 bucks a door. And um, it would cost $3,000 to do the turnover. And I started to go like, wait, this great dream property was failing. And so I, so I sold that one off. And I started going up the ladder from like D to C and C's to B's and B's to A's. Have you sold anything? Have you kept it? Did you have any of that similar experience or have you had ways to avert that? A hundred percent. So there's a nine door complex, like in Texas city, there was a 11 door complex and Galveston that, that I've sold. And I'm actually this week, this week, four properties actually go on market for sale. So, I, you tried to teach me something that I didn't pick up on. It was like 2017 or 2018. I was bought my first apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And we're at David Osborne's house in, in, uh, in Colorado. 
Yeah. And you had said, you talked about the cycle of multifamily. Yeah. And back then I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, dude. I'm going to buy these apartment complexes. I'm going to live off the cash flow for life. And you realize in these C and D properties, which is a space I'm in, that you buy this property completely uh, trashed out. From, it could be from asbestos. It could be bad tenants. It could be damaged, whatever it is. You come in, you put CapEx, you, get, you improve it stabilize it. It's got great cash flow. I do the birth strategy. So I pull out equity in year three. And then it gets to the point where like the, the, the quality starts going back down and you got to reinfuse cash in it. And what I've kind of noticed on that is about the year four, year five, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So right now I've got four properties that I've already birth strategy. So I've already walked away with millions in cash outs. I've already walked away from cost segregation and on my year five strategy, I'll net another 1.8 million from selling these four properties. Um, and what's great about that is then I'm going to take that 1.8 million, 1031 exchange, and be able to go buy four more this year. So, so far this coming up year, there's four. So that's kind of what my year kind of looks like. So there's four complexes that I'm selling and that went on the market this week in Q1. So I'm at about 1.8 million from that. And there's also uh, three properties, apartment complexes, that are part of the uh, year three uh, right now, cash out portion of it. So those files are in committee and those appraisals are being done right now. That'll net me another $2 million in cash. So just those two right there is another $4 million in cash that I can go turn around and go buy more complexes with or buy a jet or something. Yeah. But Q4 this year, Q4 of 2023, there's another four apartment complexes that finally mature, where my lender and banker, once I've got 14 months of steady cash flow on a property, then they'll do the burst strategy cash out. Yeah. And then that's going to be another 3.2 million. So there's going to be a lot of cash infusing to where I can take that cash and go buy more properties. But I finally understood what you were trying to teach me or kind of try to bring up me four or five years ago that... You, you don't hold on to D and C properties forever. Uh, it's just the, the type of tenants that you have, you're always going to get trashed out. It's always going to, it's going to always go dip down you and then you've got to put more cash flow in it such and such from there. So I don't know much too much about the A, the A space or candidly even probably the B space. I know a lot and I'm very confident knowledge wise and it's C and D space. And that's kind of where I kind of hang around, but I think over time, I want to learn more about the B and the B and A space because if I'm getting all this cash, I can easily go buy a fifty unit, fifty million dollar um, A complex then put that in my family trust and leave that there because that's going to sustain for a while. Yeah. Real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegi. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there were like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of friendships that came from that, of referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman and we all did an Ironman together in, in North Carolina 
last month and we had never even met before the podcast live so the it was it's, it's been such such a cool experience the i would love it for you guys to come today's march 6th through 8th the sign ups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind we also have a room block set up it's three days downtown austin great really cool hotel really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it and we're going to get a chance to i can't wait to meet you guys i can't wait for you to meet other listeners i can't wait for you to develop these new interactions and really what we're teaching yeah last year was like how do you make a business better but the market was just starting to turn and i was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it when it was happening now it has turned and this time we're going to be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next so uh, again, I hope you signed up for the mastermind. Sorry for such the long advertisement, but I can't wait to meet you. Ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind. You know, agents, as you guys are listening right now, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to interview Wally is because 95% of our listeners out there, 90% of our listeners out there, you guys are W2 agents right? You're working hard and you're making money and you're doing a great job. And that's where Wally was when he, you know, when he met the GoBundance guys years ago and started like adding on some of these extra things. And now the income from his apartments is way more than his income as a loan officer or, or comparable or, or it's, it's significant, right? It's not that he just has that, that one thing anymore. And anybody can do this journey. Anybody should start looking at this journey. And that is one of the cool things about, about houses and flipping. Like you could start with the burst strategy for houses, or for apartments. I love it when you can do a, a refinance and that's kind of, that's like tax free too. When you get to, when we have like those, those big healthy gains, but you can make money in apartments. Like the benefit of that C and D space in apartments is you can usually get a deal to add value to it. And it's funny, the season of that property, I remember when I bought my first one, that first 60 unit and I was getting it refied for the first time 14 months later. And the banker came out to the apartment with me looked at the units with me. He was going to get me my first loan on it. It was my first like big boy loan on something. And he told me like, Hey, you're only going to own this for another, you know, three or five years. And I told him he was crazy. I'm like, I'm going to own this thing forever. Like, this is my retirement. Like I've done the cash flow stuff. And so he tried to tell me the same lesson uh, that I got to learn. But now that you, you found that niche, like, yeah, you can do the three, four years. If I was going to go redo it over again, now I totally know, like I can buy it. I can rehab it. I can get it fully occupied. Nine months after fully, fully occupied, like I'm going to exit that thing. And I'm going to exit that thing because that's when it looks great on paper for any new lender and be able to, and who knows, maybe somebody will have better luck. So I want to jump to your goals for a second. One of the best, I love it when you shoot me a text message and you're like, hey, here's my goals over the next year. Here's my goals over the next six months. Uh, hold me accountable. And we've, and we've been doing that now for a few years. And every time you send them over, I'm always like, wow, these are, these are great goals. They're well thought out. Like, you know, and every time I'm like, man, he's really stretching here. And every year you accomplish them, but give a quick masterclass for listeners that have like maybe never done goals. It's January. People are just starting like people, like there's some people just done their new year's resolutions. How do you keep track of your goals? How do you make sure you accomplish them? You know, any, any strategies around like goal setting and goal making, because I know you know, back in 2013, when they were like, Hey, go get some rentals. You're like, I'm going to go get eight. It was part of, it started then. And now it's like this giant snowball. So what advice you give people about how to do goals or what your secret is behind that? I mean, I guess three things I want to say one, uh, just dream this absolutely dream as big as you possibly can. And to the point where you're like, man, this dream is stupid. This, this dream is never going to happen. Number one. Yeah. Number two, Stephen Covey had a great quote. 
begin with the end in mind. And that quote leads you to a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazam. talks about um, goal setting to the now. So if you begin with the end in mind, what you want it to look like two years now, 10 years now, 50 years now, whatever your timeline is. Let's just say it's a 10-year goal. Or for simple math, let's say it's a, it's a one-year goal. For that one-year goal, for you to accomplish that goal by January 2024, where do you have to be in that goal in, in, in nine months? To be at that spot in nine months, where do you have to be in six months? To be at that spot in six months, where do you have to be in a month? To be at that spot in a month, where do you have to be in a week a week before? Then, it, then where do you have to be in a day before and, a, and an hour before? The point I'm trying to make is when I realized that, like, what is that one thing such by doing it, everything else becomes easy or unnecessary, and you realize that kind of mindset, goal setting just became super-duper easy. Accomplishing goals became super-duper easy because if you think of that question, what is the one thing such by doing it makes everything else easy or unnecessary it keeps you focused on what is the next best step. Where I see most people make mistakes is they just do the next step. What's well, the next step that you put on your to-do list or your goal list that you want to accomplish, but is it truly the most efficient and effective next step? What is the next best step? So if you can dream big, begin with the end in mind of what you want it to look like once, you're, once you reach that goal, then do it in bite-sized pieces from quarter to every quarter, every month where you need to be, every week you need to be, all the way to every day, I can manage day-to-day goals. I'm really great at daily goals. That's what it comes down to. What do I need to do today to be on track for my one-week goal? And I just focus on that one thing per day. Before you know it, you've hit your week goal, weekly goal. You've hit your week, monthly goal. Before you know it, you've hit your quarterly goal. And it's you, you can accomplish a ton. I think Gary Keller said this once, and I don't know where he got it from, but he said that uh, everybody overestimates what they can do in a year. Everybody overestimates what they can do in a year, and they underestimate what they can do in five years. Underestimate what they do, they can do in five years. Yeah. So, and you think of like wisdom like that, you start learning to think more long term with your goals or short term with your goals. When I look at goals, I look at a five year vision and a ten year vision. Where do I, and I start focusing on the yearly vision, the monthly vision, but you've got to think big and you got to think far. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's great advice out there. Like st- starting with the end in mind, like what's that big goal? What's that big, really dream goal? And how do you back into it? And then, yeah, two great books. I mean, the, the one thing that's a great reminder, like I've got my daily checklist of stuff I'm going to do today and I get, and it grows. Right. And I, and I look in my, in my tablet for the, the daily checklist. And then every day, I'm like taking my list, right? And I'm numbering it and going like, hey, what do I got to do first? What do I got to do second? What do I got to do third? And, and, but, but reminding me, I'm so glad you mentioned that because reminding me again, like, well, which one of these is actually the domino? Which one of these, if I do it, maybe I don't have to do the other one at all because it's, I get, because some, it's like, yeah, I'm going to put a bunch of things on that list. And then the daily tracker, I recently started doing like the daily tracker of the little habits where you're like crossing off the list. I got things on here like, you know, do cryo, eat my, you know, take my vitamins, do my uh, minimum 30 minutes of exercise, do my 25 putts on the putting green. That's my, that's a daily thing. I got to do 25 golf shots, 25 putts a day, just so I can stay ahead of you. 
uh, or be able to, to keep back up when you come out. So I've got my daily checklist of that, but so much of that leads into some of that long-term stuff. Well, you've been, I mean, you've had a black belt in goal setting. And I know during our mastermind um, in March, for those of you guys that come out to Austin, one of our breakout sessions is going to be like kind of this deep goal setting where we get to challenge people in coming up with some of these goals, like what Wally said, working into them backwards and figuring out what's our, what becomes our monthly, our weekly, our daily, you know, and being able to have this kind of well-rounded idea because while you've talked so much about how you're crushing business, but the, but like, you've got like great sons that you're living life with. You've got like this great family life and you know, what's, has it been difficult to manage family and business is family part of your goals to, you know, health, all, all those different things. Um, any secrets for that? Secrets now, it's going to sound super obvious. So I've got uh, two sons, uh, Braden. Uh, we call him Braden the Brave. He's 17 now. Yeah. We're, looking at college, we're going to OEU this weekend to look at colleges. Oh, how cool. And um, he's on uh, he's on the golf team. He's on varsity. He's beaten me a handful of times. I, I can beat him most times, but he's still beat me. And then we got a 15-year-old named Alexander. Call him Alexander the Great. And... I love, love, love my two sons, and I'm, I'm married an amazing woman of almost 18 years now, Nikki. But there is no hiding it. I was a super absent father. I was a super absent husband back in like 2014, 15, 16 when I was trying to build all of it. But it, I made a decision in 2016 that no more. Like greed took over for me, ego took over for me, and all I wanted to do was conquer. Before I know it, I was missing dinners, working on the weekends, going to this seminar and forgetting Valentine's Day and like not being present with my wife and my two sons. In 2016, I made a decision that um, I'm never going to play. For me, it was I'm never going to play a round of golf unless I made uh, I'm never going to play a round of golf on the weekend unless I made all five dinners that week with my family. Yeah. And that became like an accountability to myself. Right. And, you know, sometimes I didn't hit that. And maybe I got four dinners, didn't get all five, but then I didn't reward myself on playing golf that weekend, which kind of sucked, but I need to do my job as a father and, and, as, and as a husband. So now our world is, I golf normally, I'm kind of hurt right now, but I normally golf three, four times a week, a minimum of three, four times a week. Yeah. It's usually two, three times with buddies or clients, but at least golf with my sons, my sons once a week, which is one of my favorite things to do on the weekend. And then I take 20 weeks of vacation a year. I started 20 weeks of vacation a year back in 2016 and 20 weeks of vacation a year comes out to 10 weeks of vacation with uh, us as a family and my sons get to pick where they want to go. Like this year we'll do New Year's Eve in Dubai. Um, we're going to Scotland and Scotland in, um, in July, you know, the awesome trips then. So that's 10 weeks as a family. Five weeks, my wife and I, a, a year as vacations, her and I, and then five weeks for myself as golf trips or seminars I want to go to or, you know, journal retreats or whatever I want to do for five weeks a year. So all those are pre, pre-planned before January 1st for that year. Um, and the dates are saved on the calendar. So I learned to, uh, I learned to be a sprinter in business if that makes any sense. I'd mm -hmm. come in, I'd work three, four weeks in a row, then I'd go on vacation. Come in, work three, four weeks in a row, then go on vacation. Come work three, four weeks in a row, go on vacation. And it's got to a point where if you plan your vacations before the year starts, you always have something to look forward to. 
you always have something like a carrot at the end to kind of dangle you. So yeah. I explained it well. You did. Yeah, 2011, 2012, those were my years of, of taking my family for granted, right? And the doing the same workaholic type thing. And then, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016 was like getting it all back and really pushing that to the top. And I'm sure as listeners are listening to that, you're like, what? Wally does 40 weeks of vacation a year, right? Or, you know, the, as he's, as he's talking about all that, like what a great life, right? Everybody. But the, but so as you're setting your goals now, like I'm sure for a lot of you that are just starting to think about this, they're just getting going in your business. Don't have any extra income yet. Like this, that should be on your like three-year goal or your five-year goal. Cause it wasn't overnight that he was able to create that, but what a beautiful life to be able to create as you start investing in some of these things and growing and like encouraging yourself. Um, well, we got like, we got two minutes left. The, um, you know, I know you've got another meeting to go to and I was able to still squeeze this in today. And so I've, I've, you've got really got as much time as you want, but I want to honor your time. What's next for you and for out there, you know, for anybody out there listening that wants to get into your world, that wants to know more about what you're doing, um, how should they find you? What, what are you looking for? What's next? Just, just the, the big, the big Wally pitch. Yeah, I would just say if anybody's watching, here's my email. It's Wally at empowerlending.com. Wally at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, lending.com. Shoot me an email. If you have questions, you want to see my goal sheet, uh, you want to see what I've accomplished, what I plan on accomplishing over the next 10 years, five years, just shoot me an email and I'll get that out to you. So again, Wally at empowerlending.com. Uh, but then also, I'm always looking to grow. So I've got two asset managers right now. I've got an executive assistant. And then also, I've got a bookkeeper, which is going to be becoming my, my CFO in my world, which is going to be a controller. But in the real estate world space that I'm trying to build and focus on the real estate multifamily space, I need help. So the goal right now is almost we're almost about 500 doors, but I want to be over 1,000 doors in two years. That's my yep. goal. As you look at your goals, as I look at my goals, and for me to be a thousand doors by 2025, I need more teammates that I can pour into that can come learn or help the business maintain the business or help the business grow to the next level. So if you're in the multifamily space or if you're in the asset management space or if you're in the property management space, and this sounds like something that you might be a good fit for, just shoot me an email. Again, Wally at empowerlending.com, W-A-L-L-Y. Shoot me an email and just let me know what you're looking for. And if it's a great fit, I'd love to partner. Yeah. Well, this was great. You know, the uh, listeners, hopefully you got a lot out of this. It was a, a little bit different style of what of what we're used to. But I think as we're starting off the year right now, I think that it's uh, hopefully what a lot of you guys needed to hear. Because Wally's story, we didn't even get to get into so much of it, right? But hopefully we got into enough that you realize like how much your life can build and grow over a short period of time with the right mentors, the right goals and the right people. Wally, thanks so much for coming on the show. You bet, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for allowing me. We'll, we'll see you again soon. Yeah. Real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. All right. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. 
So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.